Hello and welcome to this podcast from Humentum. My name is George Miller, and I recently had the opportunity to talk to Oliver Filler, the project management lead at Plan International, about his experience of rolling out PMD Pro training. Why did they choose PMD Pro? How did they prepare to introduce it? And critically, how have people found it, and what impacts has it had? But before we got on to these big questions, I began by asking Oliver about his own background in anthropology. What had got him interested in that? So I, I was just fascinated by people and society and, and why the world is the way it is. And looking at kind of social constructs and behaviours and you know, why, why is there poverty? Why, why are um, you know, some individuals completely marginalised from society when others seem to have all the luck? So I, I spent a lot of time in India during my um, uh, university degree and my master's looking at the caste system and looking at discrimination of Dalits who are the kind of untouchables within the, the caste system. And that um, was roughly the time of this 2004 tsunami. Uh, so I thought I'd, I'd, I'd kind of look into, well, does that have an impact on aid and, and the distribution of aid? And so I looked at, yeah, discrimination of, of, of Dalits as part of the tsunami response and um, really made a lot of contacts that, that way um, with NGOs. Um, it really embedded my passion for development and, humani- and humanitarian work. And yeah, led into led into my first job with um, with Save the Children. Was there an alternative course that you could have gone down when you were an academic and studied and studied it? It sounds like you were sort of you were thinking about the big structural issues as well as as what was happening on the ground. Is that is that the path not taken? Yeah, I mean, originally I was going to read uh, English literature, so I took a, a massive deviation <laughs> from the path. But I think. Um, People always ask me, you know, do you have these kind of these plans in life and you set up these goals? And my opinion is that you miss opportunities that way. And life is too short to, to plan it out for 60 years. I need to realize it wasn't what you wanted to do. So I have always veered towards the things that interest me, veered towards the things that I care passionately about and, uh, and, and think are either great injustices or, or think that I can contribute some way with my skill set. So I try and maintain a, f- a flexibility, which is actually a quite a useful skill set for a project management as well. So you began your career in this sector with Save the Children. What were, what were, you, what were you doing back then? So I was up in uh, Kashmir uh, and I was um, looking after education projects and, and some elements of monitoring evaluation as well. So it's kind of post-conflict fragile state work. Yeah, it, it kind of it pushed me down the path of humanitarian aid, which is most of my background. So yeah, fast-changing contexts, um, insecurity, but meeting huge needs. Uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with very vulnerable individuals. So it was really hard work but something that I cared you know, very much about. Um, so, it, yeah, that was the, the, the entry into, into my, my, my career, really, was through Save the Children. You can deal with the insecurity, you can deal with the hard work, you can deal with the kind of changing context and the frustrations because you're dealing with very you know, vulnerable individuals and you're trying to support them as best you can. So as long as you're meeting uh, needs, um, you know, it's fairly, and maybe not easy to forget about it, but you can accept some of the risks that you're, that you're dealing with. I guess, I mean, looking at it from the outside, I guess a lot of the time you must be so much in the moment when you're in the field that it's difficult to to take a step back and think, is this the best way to do it? Are there other ways to do it? You know, to, to sort of keep an eye on the big picture because you have immediate human needs that you are, you are meeting. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's the boiled frog syndrome where you don't quite realize what's going on around you because you're in the middle of it. Um, and that is, uh, I think, in the work that we do in the humanitarian sector, especially that that is a real risk um, and you don't have time to step back sometimes and look at the, the bigger picture and that actually is, is, is where project management comes in because the, the role of a project manager is is to provide that um, oversight and that space um, and whilst your team are running around you know trying to do the best they can in the middle of it you desperately need someone to be able to step back and look at the bigger picture and, and organize things so that was probably where I first saw the need for that and probably yeah a humanitarian context is uh the starkest reality uh, to, to kind of to show that so we're talking what about a, about a decade ago a little bit more than that so what was the status of um of project management back then in the humanitarian sector i would say it wasn't just the humanitarian sector i mean the the sector has professionalized a lot I was coming in really at the cusp of change, actually, within the sector. So increasingly, it was being professionalized. We were looking at project and program management. We were looking at monitoring evaluation and accountability, accountability to beneficiaries, making sure that, that communities are able to give their opinions and give feedback and, and are at the heart of the projects that are designed. So it was a really fascinating point in the sector's history, really, because it was massive change. And with massive change, you have um, huge challenges and obstacles. Um, and ultimately, we were looking at behavior change. So, um, you know, these new ideas coming in, contradicting the way that the sector had been working previously. And what was pushing that change? Um, I think it was just the flow of the sector. What generally happens, especially in the humanitarian context, is that a, a huge crisis will happen. The sector will respond and then we'll learn and we're lucky sometimes if we just pick up elements of the learning and embed it in the next response but I think we just hit a, the cusp of this massive change point where enough had been learned in order to realize that things had to dramatically change that was reflected in the sector and in, in the agencies that work within the sector but I think it was also mirrored by by funders and where funders change their mind and, and funders start to prioritize things the sector tends to follow as well. So I think it was a, a kind of things came together at the right time. It's not to say that we are perfect where we are now, that we've learned everything and we're doing everything marvellously. That's certainly not the case. But I, I think it was, it was a point where we had started to really push for doing things professionally, openly and transparently. And that has now kind of helped us uh, in, improve you know, the sector generally. So you came along kind of on the cusp of change? I think so. I think I, I came in at a time where I was able to benefit from the changes that were being made. I've been lucky enough to learn as I go and, and be introduced to new you know, training and, and new ways of working. But I was also at the heart for Save the Children of, of pushing a new monitoring evaluation approach in, in responses, certainly. Can you tell me a bit, a bit more about that in, in practical terms, that new, that new approach and, and your sort of role in it? Yeah, so uh, at Save the Children, we realised that... Emergencies were being responded to and it was all fairly knee-jerk and there was a, the rationale, which is, is easy to understand how we got into this um, um, mindset, which is that you know, we must be doing it right because we're doing it, um, which is the same with project management. You know, I know how to manage a project because I'm a project manager. It's a trap that we always fall into and there was a realisation, not just for Save the Children actually, but for the, again for the wider sector, that actually we, we needed to professionalise. We needed to, to, to look at our processes. We needed to push for, for openness and transparency. And, and one of the things that Save the Children pushed 
earlier than most international organizations, I would say, was um, monitoring evaluation accountability and learning, especially in humanitarian responses. So making sure we're able to track what we're doing, tracking our outputs, tracking our outcomes, you know, what are we actually delivering? What quality are we delivering for people as well? So we may be distributing things, but are they the things that people want and save really really drove that early on in the in the sector likewise running things like real-time evaluations um so you know a few months into a humanitarian response having an opportunity to step back and look at well is this the right response in the middle of, of a manic you know kind of uh, a humanitarian response are we actually doing the right thing or have we fallen into the trap of just doing the same thing over and over so real-time evaluations were, were really pushed by by save the children early on and and that had kind of sparked a big change in in the sector so uh, and then you know just embedding monitoring evaluation within um, within that response and making sure that it's there at the beginning rather than brought in as an afterthought so you know oh we've been responding for for a couple of months now should we bring in M&E rather M&E goes in as part of the first phase response i guess at any cultural shift meets with resistance or inertia or skepticism was it was that something that you remember encountering back then yeah um the difficulty is that you're trying to embed a new way of working in a system that doesn't know how it's supposed to embed it and how it's supposed to work so you end up with people line managing m&e specialists who don't actually know how M&E should work. And that's just you know, one, one example. So there is a danger that, that you dilute the impact of it because you're not utilizing it in the right way. And really, you, know, you can see the parallels with project management here as well. Um, you're looking at a critical mass of people. So do we have enough people speaking the same language with the same understanding, the same competencies to push it over the cusp of, of, of the 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 blockage, um, should we say, of the old way of doing things. And, and that takes time because it's behavior change. And in an organization, that, that can be very, very difficult, especially when you know, you've been doing the same thing for so many years and, and change is tough and it requires hard work. So yes, it, it did take time. The critical thing is to have senior level buy-in married with uh, an understanding of the people who are actually implementing projects as to why it is important. But it's, it's still challenging, it's still very tough. Like the initiative Oliver's just described, PMD Pro also dates back about a decade. I asked Oliver to fill in some background for me. So uh, PMD Pro was the brainchild, um, as I understand it, uh, of a number of individuals um, from uh, Oxfam and, and others who identified a need for a project management standard. Uh, I mean, the corporate world has had things like Prince2 and PMI for decades. But we, despite the fact that in the sector our main business is implementing projects, we didn't really have anything that we could call on that could support us in that. Prince2, PMI is not particularly relevant for a lot of the work that we do. They're dealing with very different things. So we're dealing with, with you know, um, individuals, we're dealing with behavior change at community level, we're dealing with very complex contexts. And so we needed a framework that could be flexible, a framework that could be foundational, but then could be built on and expanded and, and advanced. And so those individuals effectively created the, the PMD Pro manual and a separate organization called PM for NGOs who hold the rights um, uh, and the materials of, of um, PMD Pro and now the program guide and other elements as well. 
Can you tell me, Oliver, where you were when you first encountered PMD Pro and, and what your sort of um, initial experience was like with it? So we were at a, a really interesting point in Plan International. We had stripped back our programming approach. We'd realized that it had become fairly cumbersome, that we had a number of reporting requirements on our country offices, and that the organization really had, had grown kind of organically. Um, we're a sponsorship organization at our core, and yet our um, grants portfolio had been expanding dramatically to the point where it was at a, you know 50-50. And that had happened organically. It hadn't been well controlled. Um, we hadn't looked at things like procedures for managing projects. We hadn't looked at the competencies that we would expect project managers to, to have. This was about three years ago. We stripped everything back and really decided to focus on the foundation. Where do we need everyone to be in terms of the level of project management and program management? What's important to focus on and what is actually peripheral and more extractive? And so we developed a new project cycle. We developed a new policy, which was called the program quality policy, which has since been superseded. But the program quality policy outlined, you know, what, what do we really think quality means, especially within our programming and, and, and projects? Out of that came our procedures, three cycles, the country strategy cycle, the annual cycle, uh, the annual cycle being effectively a slice of the country strategy each year, and then the project cycle, which is how we manage our projects to achieve our strategy. And we realized that actually it was, it's no good saying, you know, these are the procedures, these are the, the minimum standards that we expect people to achieve when you're managing projects, when we're not actually giving them the skills and the support to achieve those standards. And so we looked around for an option that would help us uh, deal with that issue. Uh, and PMD Pro jumped out immediately. When planning their pilot, Plan talked to other organisations about their experience with PMD Pro. The message came back that it was important not to link it too quickly to compliance or to wrap it up with other global initiatives. So instead, Plan's emphasis would be on providing options. And we went to our regional offices and we um, basically pitched it to them and, and said, you know, you tell us, do you want, do you want to do a, a training of trainers? Do you want to just do level one PMD Pro training to a range of staff members and, and see how you go? Do you want to do uh, a level one training and then give it a few months, see how you go and then do a TOT? So we, we talked them through the options and we kind of developed specific um, um, uh, rollout plans uh, for them. The first phase of the rollout was really geared towards getting trainers into regions, getting enough staff involved um, and creating a buzz ar around PMD Pro. And we were perfectly willing to accept that after a year, if, it, if people didn't see the value in it, if people didn't really want to, to, to take it up and, and roll it out, then we would accept that, okay, it was the wrong thing to do, but at least we tried. So yeah, so the, the first phase was viewed as a pilot and we developed a, a monitoring evaluation plan around it. So we really wanted to learn. We really wanted to make sure that as we went, we identified learning, embedded it within the next uh, training, and that we could document it and, and, and prove that it was working. So we developed a monitoring evaluation framework. We have followed a number of case studies through the, the pilot. We've tracked things like surveys, so, so feedback around the training. We've been tracking things like the project management KPI, which, which is a rough indicator of the quality of projects. And we've been doing semi-structured interviews, FGDs with, with participants. So we really tried to, 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 to learn as we go and to um, embed that learning. 
case studies. Plan's first experience in delivering PMD Pro training was in East Africa. So as part of the um, the training in uh, RACER, which is our East Africa uh, office, they were our they were our guinea pigs uh, in that they went um, they went first as part of the pilot, and we you know, we discussed all of the options that were available to them uh, around online courses, face to face courses, TOT, so training of trainers versus um, just a level one, and worked with them to come up with a solution that would work for them. The solution they came up with was actually to focus on the level one training and deliver a five-day face-to-face training in PMD Pro rather than focus on a TOT. The rationale behind it being that um, uh, they wanted to see how they went with the level one first and then have the the training of trainers as as an option that they could look at further down the line. So we worked with um, we worked with them to to select um, participants. We kind of we came up with a, a, a list of criteria for participants, and again, optional. So we can guide you around who would be appropriate and who wouldn't. One of the key things that came out from our conversations with the other agencies who have rolled out PMD Pro was that it is best when it is multifunctional. So if we just have a room full of project managers. That's great for the project managers, but projects are multifunctional by their very nature. We have to work with um, um, with a number of teams and a, a number of specialisms. So everyone has some form of responsibility um, within a project. So it's important to have those functions um, in the training as well. So we selected a number of individuals from the um, East Africa region uh, across all of the country offices that they, um, that they had um, and delivered the training. We went... In my opinion, a bit too heavy on the monitoring side of things. We were clear that um, we needed to find an approach that works for plan based on, again, the feedback from other agencies who had all done slightly different things. So we wanted to make sure we had certain decision gates built in uh, as we rolled out PMD Pro um, that we could reflect and, and adapt and change as we went. And so we we were clear that we wanted to track individuals through the course. We were clear that we really wanted to see what the impact was so not just um have people done the training yes great have they passed the exam yes great job done the critical thing for us was the application so are they actually applying their knowledge are they applying what they've learned in their projects and then subsequently are we seeing an improvement in in, in project quality so we selected uh, case studies uh, individuals um, that we could follow through the training we interviewed them before the training, immediately after the training, and then again six months after, and asked them different questions around what were the expectations and, and um, you know, what did they like about the training afterwards, and then and then what were their plans to to embed things like that. Generally, the fe- the feedback was very good. Uh, it was a fairly new approach to plan. Um, it um, it's a really kind of it's a really engaging uh, training. It's a really interesting training. Um, And so a lot of the feedback from participants when they went into it was, you know, yeah, but I've been managing projects for 20 years. So um, this will be a great way to kind of refresh my skills. But but ultimately, I'm I'm good. And then they would come out of the training and say, I had no idea I had to do risk management. And so so that was actually really pleasing to hear uh, that actually it was it was having a a real impact um, uh, on individuals and they were really buying into it. I asked Oliver if he could try to encapsulate the shift in mindset that a successful training in PMD Pro can bring about. So the the consistent feedback about PMD Pro is that it marries 
everything together around project management. So a lot of people will have had a training on log frames. A lot of people will have had a training on how to phase a budget or how to do a risk matrix. Um, but there are very few trainings out there that actually pull everything together from a project management kind of perspective and says, well, this is how they work together. These are the tools that you use and the disciplines and the principles that you that you use as a project manager in order to manage projects. And so that has been the the, the kind of the overwhelming feedback has been it has been so useful to again step back and look at the bigger picture around how do you manage a how do you manage a project. And likewise for, for different individuals. So we've said that we we've had multifunctional um, uh, trainings. So we've got project managers in with grants managers, finance managers, M&E uh, managers or coordinators, etc. And the really um, useful thing with that is that often uh, the, uh, let's take M&E as an example, they know where they sit in the day-to-day, but they don't necessarily where they should sit throughout the project cycle. And likewise for, for um, things like logistics and procurement, um, often they'll be absolutely hammered during a project because people expect them to deliver immediately but pmd pro preaches that actually at the beginning of the project so as you're designing the project the functions should be involved in that because they're expected to deliver the project so it's a message that resonates with those functions as well and it gives them it really gives them an evidence base as well to push back and say well we need to be involved at proposal development stage we need to be involved as, as management oversight because we have critical pieces to play in project management Oliver was pleasantly surprised that buy-in to PMD Pro didn't just come from those who'd been on the course. It extended well beyond. We held a learning event uh, a few months ago um, to look back at at the full rollout of the project. Um, We brought in people from country offices and from regional offices who had been central to that rollout and tried to look at, well, what went well, what didn't go well, etc., and as part of that, we interviewed our uh, directors of subregions, and we held focus group discussions with country directors. Now they're very senior within the organisation, and would be fairly far removed from the actual implementation of PMD Pro, but they were able to talk about it in a fair amount of detail, and not because I had spoken to them before it, around PMD Pro. It was it was coming from their country offices, it was coming from their staff, and they had been told how much value they had seen in the rollout of PMD Pro. So that, that it was hoped for uh, and somewhat expected, but the speed at which we got that buy-in, I, th- I think, uh, took me by surprise. To get a sense of the impact and effectiveness of PMD Pro, Oliver and his colleagues have been looking at three key performance indicators. One's looking at budget versus actual. So what did we say we were going to spend and what have we actually spent on the on the project? Achievement of outcomes. So are we on track to achieve the outcomes that we stated in our in our proposal? And project risk. So what is the risk rating of the, the project? We ask country offices every quarter to rate them to rate every single project based on those three proxies, either red, amber, or green. We've seen an improvement in the KPIs. I was fairly careful around the communication of of the expectation of improvement in KPIs because there is a real risk that the KPI could have gone down because what we're doing is equipping people with the skills to identify issues in their projects and deal with them. So initially, they're able to identify issues that they weren't previously able to identify you know, um, before the PMT Pro training. So there was a risk that KPIs could go down. Actually, what's happened is the KPIs have, have gone up, so the, the quality of our projects has gone up. But more importantly to me is a little section at the end of the reporting tool for that 
which asks for an explanation as to why they've rated the project as they have. Specifically, why have you rated it amber or green? And uh, an explanation as to what you're planning to do about it. The improvement in the articulation of what the issue is and what they're planning to do about it has been amazing. It's been really, really good. And that, that is the impact of PMD Pro, is the ability of individuals and project managers and project teams to say, I know what the problem is. We, you know, we've done this and we should have done that. Therefore, this is what we're going to do about it. So that, that's been the real impact. So what, what is its status today, would you say, within the industry? I would say increasingly it's becoming an industry standard. So a number of very large NGOs are utilizing PMD Pro and can prove that it, that it is having an impact on the quality of their, of their projects. So increasingly, rather than it being seen as a kind of unique selling point of, of agencies, it's actually expected of course we should be investing in in training our, our program managers in a, a certifiable standard rather than saying hey look you know we're better than everyone else because we have pmd pro trained staff it's no longer the case it, it, you know donors would expect us to have pmd pro or you know equivalent um, certified project managers Plan International currently has around 60 PMD Pro trainers internationally, and over a thousand staff members have been through the programme. The organisation's going for critical mass. The initial phase of training was centrally funded, but there's since been a switch to local funding to ensure long-term sustainability. The buy-in from national organisations has been strong in response to grassroots enthusiasm from country offices. And as Plan International continues to evolve, Oliver told me, PMD Pro will play a key role. We've embarked on a really ambitious strategy as Plan International. We're really changing our our focus uh, from a a kind of pure um, uh, child rights organisation to a focus on equality for girls. And so, you know, we're trying to work out how we can best apply uh, PMD Pro through through the changes that we're making as an organisation through that new global strategy. And that's really exciting. We are increasingly getting uh, demands for kind of follow-up trainings, further um, detailed project management trainings, which which could be quite interesting. We're looking at the moment around the the application element. So PMD Pro is very, very good at delivering content and, and knowledge to individuals. One thing that we're we would like to strengthen is their uh, participants' ability to then take what they've learned uh, and explore the application of it. So, so making sure that they can go back to their country offices or their offices and apply what they've learned as, as seamlessly and as easily as they, they can. So we're looking at the moment at a pilot of a project management game, which is um, ultimately providing a, a safe kind of sandbox environment for people to practice applying some of the tools before they get back to their country office. Sort of simulation. Yeah, so it's it's a project management simulation. It's It's been developed around... A, um, around a a humanitarian setting Um, so it should be a fairly familiar context so it's a pilot at the moment but we're we're constantly trying to find ways to to improve the 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 training one thing that we've just started piloting is uh, pmd pro flex which is an online gamified version of pmd pro the initial rollout of pmd pro was exclusively face-to-face which was necessary Uh, we needed to to really embed the training we we needed to uh, create trainers 
But now we're moving towards a more general rollout of PMD Pro and a global rollout of PMD Pro. The better value for money would be through through online training, which means that people don't have to drop everything for five days. And if you consider flight times, et cetera, et cetera, you know, the impact on a country office can be quite huge. So we're trying to find ways to minimize the impact that a training could initially have, the disruption that, that a, a five-day training could have on a country office. So the Flex is being piloted as we speak. We're halfway through our first ever um, Flex, which has been adapted to plans context again. Uh, the feedback has been very good. Um, we're able to train a lot more people for the same amount of money as we would a face-to-face training. So we've got about 70 people on each cohort and we can run uh, four cohorts for the same price as one face-to-face training, which would cover about 30 people. So it, it offers much better value for money, but it also means that people have the flexibility to do their day jobs and then do the PMD Pro training as and when they have free time, which is critical for project managers who are, who are on the front line. So it's very difficult to find... <laughs> Yeah, one hour, let alone five days um, uh, uh, to to focus on training. So we're really excited by PMD ProFlex. We think it, it will um, it will add value. We're not saying we will only do PMD ProFlex. Again, we're trying to push the message of options. So working with country offices to find the best option that would work for them. I was talking to Oliver Filler of Plan International. My thanks to him and to you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.